Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Just a quick thing before we begin today's podcast. Are unpleasant symptoms of digestion getting you down? Bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, indigestion, IBS, bowel dysfunction, SIBO, colitis? Well, We are now accepting new applications for our group physiotherapy program. To learn more, go to ecophysio.com forward slash group and submit an application and we will get in contact with you once we receive it to see if it's a good fit for our program. Welcome everybody to today's podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about perimenopause. My guest today is Dr. Amy Day. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm excited to have a conversation, dive a little deeper into this area. Uh, But before we do that, maybe it would be great to learn a little bit more about you to build some context. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about what got you interested in women's health and this area in particular. Sure. So I, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And just, I, I love that you're doing this podcast and such a, such a good topic. <laughs> um, so thank you for having me and perimenopause. I'm really excited to talk about today. So uh, something that's just not spoken about enough for sure. So, um, so for me, I, so I'm a naturopathic doctor. I'm based in um, Berkeley, California, and I, had kind of a two-step process. Personally, I got into the world of natural medicine and natural health more generally at first, just had always kind of questioned the the conventional way of doing things and uh, got interested in nutrition and herbal medicine and things like that before I even heard that there was such a field as naturopathic medicine where there was um, the science and medicine tied in with these alternative uh, ways of of health and healing. Um, And then when I was in naturopathic medical school, I was in my second year and I had gone off of the birth control pill, which I had been on as a teenager and everything and didn't, didn't know any better at the time. But then as I'm learning about natural health, it's like, I don't, I don't want to have those synthetic chemicals in my body. And that, that said, there's a time and a place I'm, you know, not, not against, but um, didn't, didn't want that for myself, but then I started having really painful periods and I uh, had a family history of endometriosis and lo and behold, ended up, you know, things got really bad. I landed in emergency surgery and was diagnosed with stage four endo and, uh, realized that I had a lot of work that I needed to do for myself and decided to dive into the world of women's health and pelvic health and hormones and um, learning all about that, you know, simultaneously to help myself. And then that ended up pointing me in the direction for, for me professionally too, to um, help other women have a better, more holistic experience of trying to balance their own hormones and health overall. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, 
I always like to hear kind of the evolution of how people sort of get in. And, you know, uh, a lot of what I hear is how we as practitioners go through an experience where we have to, you know, figure out and test and, and, and try to see what sort of works. And we're spending all this time gathering the information, not only from a professional perspective, but from a personal perspective. And oftentimes that helps. I think it helps us make connections with people to say, okay, I know what you're, I know what you're going through and um, validating too, because oftentimes our culture, um, I mean, I, I, I hope that it's changing more and more, but you know, painful periods was just like, oh, the solution to everything was always, we'll just take this, uh, take this pill. And there's a lot more options available to us. And that's like the one, that's like the beginning phase of women's health. And then we're talking about perimenopause where it's like, okay, now we're starting to near the end of this process as we're transitioning into this new process. And I don't think we kind of talk about it enough to help women support what is naturally occurring. Like, I don't think women know sort of what's normal, what's not normal. Can I do something about this? Can I not? Like, so I think this is an important chat to have. Yeah, thanks. That's, I totally agree. And I love that you mentioned validate. It's actually the first step of our, our signature approach, which is the vital method for hormone balance. So the V is for validate. Um, cause it's so missing in, in our experience of healthcare and, you know, as women, our, our symptoms and our conditions and our hormones and our bodies have just been not prioritized in terms of research dollars and, you know, really looking for better solutions for women. And, you know, either we're just told to, that it's normal to suffer. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's just, that's just part of it. You got to deal with it. Um, or handed a pill or something like you just said. So really, you know, looking. And then if we do get to the point where we maybe going through our 20s, 30s, you know, we've dealt with all these cycle issues and everything, but we've kind of gotten it a bit of a handle on whatever that that is for for each of us uniquely. And then this new phase starts happening <laughs> and things start shifting and changing a little bit uh, or a lot in some cases. And um, one thing that I, I think is just interesting to uh think about is that we basically have an on-ramp into our menstruating years called puberty. And then we have an off-ramp from our menstruating years, which is perimenopause. And we can think of it as like puberty in reverse. <laughs> um, we might still be having periods. We might, you know, st still be fertile even for part of this time. We might, you know, still have things going on, but there's definitely shift and change happening. So perimenopause is this period of time that leads up to actual menopause, which is defined as one year past your last menstrual cycle um, starting. So I always tell people, throw yourself a menopause party at that one year anniversary um, from your last period. But the whole, you know, several years and some women up to 10 years before that is this perimenopause, shifty, changey, transitional time. Yeah. I want to ask this question uh, in case there are listeners uh, who may be thinking or, you know, may have heard or something, or maybe just in their mind, the way that we sort of talk about women's health issues, we are, we, we somehow like turn it into a disease. 
Like it's kind of like a disease process rather than like, hey, this is a natural process. Here are things that are normal. Here are things that you can use support. So let can you just tell us like, is, is perimenopause like a medical condition? Is it like a disease that we need to like cure or, you know, do something? Can we, can we chat about that? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I, I feel like a lot of aspects of women's health get over, I, I refer to it as over medicalized, like there's this, you know, like super interventional treatment, really necessary, that kind of thing um, for, for menstrual cycle things, for pregnancy related things, for menopause and met birth, and then perimenopause and menopause related things. Like how much do we really need to be intervening or, or thinking that there's anything wrong or problematic, or are we just having a natural normal experience? And I think it's, it's important to kind of find the, the honestly kind of the middle ground with that, because on the flip side, we don't want to go so far of like, oh, it's just normal deal with it. Right. You're having, you know, horrible PMS or horrible, painful periods. And like, oh, we don't want to, you know, really inter- intervene, but fi- finding that balance in the middle. So knowing that there's natural processes going on, but that they can be supported if there are aspects of that that are disrupting your life that are, you know, more problematic. So that does come, you know, then it's hard to tell. It's like, someone's experiencing something, well, what's, what's normal. And where, where do you draw that line? Like having a little bit of cramps versus having like writhing on the bathroom floor, you know, throwing up for seven hours straight because you're in so much pain. Like where, where's the line in between those two things or, you know, having a hot flash or two and the cycle, maybe a little heavier, you know, a little irregular and that kind of happens or, or have, you know, being drenched every, you know, work meeting you're going to and yelling at people in your life because you just have no patience anymore. And, you know, having really severe bleeding that's causing you to be anemic or those kinds of things. So it's, it's kind of this balance of there's a natural process that we can embrace and move through and know that this is, this is a normal, healthy thing. Um, and there's ways to help make it smoother and easier if, if it's being problematic. Yeah. And I, and, and something that's just coming to my mind, cause you, you said kind of an, ex, you know, the experience, right? Like what is the person experiencing as they're going through these different phases? Um, you know, when we sometimes move into the medicalization, like I'm just sort of even thinking from endo, they've done research where somebody with very little endo can actually have a lot of pain where somebody with you know, stage four endo may not actually experience a lot of pain. So I think it's really important as healthcare providers that we try to understand the person's experience without necessarily trying to always like correlate all these things, but like, what is it that you're actually experiencing? And then validating that. And then how can I help you have a different experience? And again, I may leak a little bit of pee and that may not bother me whatsoever. But then there are people who may leak a little bit of pee and their experience of that is like, oh my God, the world is like ending here. Like my life is over, right? And so we need to understand that even minor things for some people is a tremendously challenging experience. And so I think when we look at it from a spectrum of of experience and then of course, you know, what's happening then we can begin to better support those yeah. individuals. 
Definitely. Definitely. It's their, their experience of how much that's interfering with their life and whatever. It's also based on their history and what, you know, what seems to be tolerable or not for, for them. And sometimes it's that there's, there's something else going on that hasn't been named also of like doing a little bit more, let's, let's get underneath this and figure out what's going on. Cause it might be that, Oh, we think it's this, but there's actually this you know, other thing that's going on with this person too. So really looking at those root causes and looking at it and, you know, getting to know the whole story better to understand what, um, what's going on for someone. Absolutely. So it's not a medical condition. It is not a medical condition that it's not a disease. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's, it's a lot of, you know, we're more familiar with the concept of puberty and I would say to kind of think of it like that, like it's something that you want to have be educated about. So we do have built into our school systems by and large, like puberty education, right? Like that health education, puberty education, where uh, both males and females get taught about their bodies and the changes that are going to be happening and what's normal and when you might ask for help and, you know, how to cope with that a little bit. And, you know, even, even though probably every kid in that situation is horribly embarrassed, I have a teenage son right now. So, um, but it's, you know, it's, we know as a society that having that like better under, understanding of what's normal and what's going to be happening is so useful and helpful. Um, and I, I have a little suspicion that it's because men don't go through it that there isn't anything built into our society that helps women to be educated and informed about your body's going to be changing and this is what's normal and here's the things you can do about it and here's when to reach out for help like all of that um there so i i think that that um is a is a useful parallel to think about like puberty it's normal everybody goes through puberty like you go from childhood to adulthood there is a change that happens during that time and it's not something that needs to be treated unless there's problems right that's yeah so that's a great I, I really like that kind of, it just puts it nicely into perspective and you're right. Like I, you know, aside from maybe hot flashes and not having a period, it's about as, you know, much as sort of, you can just kind of gleam from like what you may or may not have heard about that particular, you know, thing. Right. And obviously there's so much more underneath that. Um, and I also feel like, there's like this kind of sense, you know, even as I think about it, you know, and it is like this, a little bit of like a fear and uncertainty of like, how bad is it going to be? And like, is my life over now that I'm getting into menopause? And like, you know, there's sort of that like sense there. And so I guess I want to ask, like, can we be vital in this like phase of our life? And like, if yes, how do we do that? <laughs> That's a, a great leading question. Thank you. <laughs> so my practice is called the Women's Vitality Center, and we're all about helping women be vital at all stages of life. So absolutely, it's like it's my passion. It's, you know, it's our, our motto overall is that it is not all downhill from here. And I think that so much of our um, worth and value in our society and most and many societies uh, for women has to do with childbearing and our role in bringing in the next generation. And so as we move out of our fertile years, 
there can really be this sense of like a downgrade in our our worth and our importance. And, um, and I just think we're really missing the boat with that because women have so much to, to contribute to the world. And um, another one of our mottos is that the world would be a better place when more women have their health and their energy and their vitality supporting them to make their difference and do their work in the world. And you know, the, the more vital that women are, I think the better off the world is going to be. Um, so there's, there is, there's, yeah, absolutely a lot still to come in, in life and having the, having your hormones balanced will help you to be able to keep going and keep doing those things and, and pursue your passions. And, um, and it's absolutely possible. We see it all the time. So often it's the women who are, um, in the, in their forties, maybe or early fifties that are kind of having that question, like you said, like, oh my gosh, how bad is this going to be? And what, what, you know, like kind of worried about, um, things just going downhill from here. Like my libido's out the window. Am I ever going to have sex again in my whole, whole life? Or is that just, you know, that chapter closed or whatever. But then when, as we work with women, um, once they're past menopause, we always hear back this reflection of like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> and I wish more of the women in perimenopause could hear from, from menopausal women. It's like, you know, talking and sharing about this more with each other as a society and as a culture is such an important thing because when you take out the ups and downs every month and in this like more stable place, and if your health is supporting you, it, it can be amazing and wonderful post-menopause. Um, I, as I shared, I have dealt with endometriosis for so much of my life. So I'm like super looking forward to menopause and just being done with it. And I'm, I'm getting there. Um, but I know for some women, there's, there's, you know, a, a lot of, of worry or, or loss or sadness also in, in moving, you know, moving away from our fertile years and um, into menopause. So there's just a lot that, that comes up. Um, but it is absolutely possible to be vital, as you asked. Amazing. This is exactly what I think many people want to hear, right? Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, so like if we talk about, you know, symptoms, you know, of puberty, like what are, you know, if we were going to do the education in reverse for perimenopause, like what are some things people can expect to experience um, to give us kind of like, what is, you know, what should I expect? And, and when should I begin to seek help? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And that's, you know, a lot of times this creeps up on us, right? So puberty, there are some developmental things that start happening in the, in the body, but for women, usually the first menstrual period is like, you know, a very defining moment, um, for, for a female and when, and then there's all this, all, all the turmoil of the teenage years, which, you know, we've experienced, but it's harder to define when it ends. Like think of, think back to your teenage years or your puberty or whatever, like you're in high school and then you do whatever you're doing after high school, college or whatever. And, and it's like you, at some point there's kind of this like, okay, it doesn't feel like puberty anymore. It's just, it's just like, you know, menstrual rhythms happening. Um, 
more consistently and some of that topsy-turvy stuff is more settled. So perimenopause is like that in reverse. Like it's hard to define when it begins because we go from having, if you know, not everyone has regular cycles during their menstruating life, but in, you know, that typical situation, if you're having regular menstrual cycles and having, you know, just your normal amount of like PMS or a little bit of whatever that goes on for you, right? But it's kind of been your normal for 10, 20 years, and then things start to change. So that's the thing to kind of be looking out for. Like when things are just changing, it's just different than what it had been before, but it is a little hard to define exactly when it begins. But then we do have the definition of it ending because we have our last period and then we go a whole year with none and then and then that's over. So kind of those bookends are the first period and the last period, um, but there's, there's this less defined space um, leading up to our last period. So really the, the one thing that you can count on during perimenopause is change. And that's going to be different for every woman. And what is it that's changing or what, what that is, you know, and to what degree um, is just really unique. Women have very different experiences and uh, this can very, very typically be changes in the menstrual cycle. So if you've, you know, always had regular cycles, maybe starting to have either cycles closer together or eventually more spread apart will start to happen. Um, some women start having really heavy flow. Some women, it gets lighter, more cramps, more uh, irritability. The PMS just is like PMS through the roof kind of thing. Um, and uh, brain fog can happen. Just feeling like exhausted and dragged down, even though you're doing the same things that you've always done to, to help take care of yourself, but your body's just like kind of having a harder time with it. Um, we talked a little bit about the um, libido, sex drive, vaginal dryness, um, those kinds of things. Some skin changes can start to happen. <clears throat> um, I may be forgetting some things right now, but those joint pains can kick in. It's kind of a little un more unusual gum sensitivity can happen in the mouth. Um, so heart palpitations, someone will start feeling or breast cysts or breast tenderness can come or go. Well, our estrogen and progesterone levels will fluctuate. So we might be high or we might be low, or they might just be imbalanced with each other. So it's a really a variety of, of things that can happen, but when it's different than what has been your normal, and if you're in your late thirties and getting into your forties, then you start thinking that maybe that is perimenopause. So hot flashes, night sweats, didn't mention that yet. So insomnia, having a harder time sleeping, feeling these warmth, um, we've been talking about hot flashes a lot in my practice just recently. And we are the, a lot of women, when they start having a hot flash, you're like, not really sure. Like, was that a hot flash? I, I don't know. Like that's once you have them, you know, uh, pretty severely or frequently or whatever, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm having hot flashes. But when they begin, sometimes it's like, oh, I just felt like my skin was a little prickly for a few minutes. And then it kind of settled down. Like was, was that? wait, wait, was that a hot flash? <laughs> and, or you might just feel a little warm or some patients talk about it as like a warm flush as opposed to a hot flash. Um, so yeah, these different things and often they'll happen at nighttime um, first, or they can certainly start happening in the day as well. So yeah, those, I think, I think that covers a lot of them. But. I mean, there could be more, but be just more. to give a, a larger variety of what you might experience, um, is it always the hormones fault? 
question. So, you know, we, we focus a lot on working with the hormones. So that that's that, but it's not just about the hormones. It's everything that leads up to that. So our diet and nutrition and, and digestive systems ability to absorb those nutrients that are required to help your body to work or even to produce the, the hormone or other things your body needs. Um, so there's a lot of, of things that are at play. Um, and sometimes when we refer to the hormones, we're thinking of estrogen and progesterone, like the sex hormones. Um, but there's very importantly, I, we always talk about this triad of hormone balance. There's those sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Um, so those sex hormones is one corner. Another corner is thyroid. So sometimes some of these kinds of symptoms going on can be more related to thyroid uh, imbalances during perimenopause and this transitional time seems to be a time that thyroid issues can show up. Um, even if you didn't have those problems before, something about having the endocrine system kind of in this state of flux just kind of makes things more sensitive to kick in at that time. Um, and then the third piece of the triangle is the adrenals. And I could even argue that that's actually the first part of the triangle, because um, it really so much of this stems from, uh, from stress is one of the through and through factors that can really influence how severely you experience all of these other symptoms. Our adrenal glands, which help to regulate our stress response, uh, can produce estrogen and progesterone for us when the ovaries are producing less of those hormones and that can help stabilize out. But if the adrenals are burnt out because we've been go, 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 go for several decades already in our life, um, that can be harder. So. So it's more than just these little you know, that it's more than just the estrogen per se. I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even necessarily thought progesterone for the most part. I think most people think like, oh, estrogen levels. So um, commonly that idea of like, oh, I'm having hot flashes because my estrogen is low. Like that's usually what the, the, you know, basic concept, like we're cycling and then we have low estrogen and that's kind of that thinking. Progesterone is hugely important during perimenopause because we're still producing estrogen, but we're not ovulating as much. And it's the ovulation phase of the menstrual cycle is when our progesterone kicks in. And if we're not ovulating as much because we're moving away from our fertile years, then we aren't producing progesterone, but we're still having the estrogen production. So really the name of the game, just as in a broad stroke, any, any day and any woman could be different, right? But generally speaking, during perimenopause, we still have estrogen, but we have low progesterone. And then it's not until postmenopause that we're really low in both estrogen and progesterone. Okay. Now you sort of mentioned this and I want to make sure we aren't missing necessarily anything else, but you mentioned that sometimes some of the symptoms could be an overlapping uh, condition such as a thyroid problem. Um, is there anything else that we might want to like look at or consider in this phase to rule out or rule in? Yeah. You know, it's always good to check in with your healthcare provider and, and just kind of make, make sure, cause really almost any of these symptoms could also be caused by something else. 
And it's, it's a matter of what constellation of symptoms are actually happening for that person. If it starts to point more towards one thing or another, or how severe that thing is like heart palpitations are really common, but you should still check in with your doctor. If you're feeling like there's something, you know, weird going on with your heart and just like get, get an EKG and get it checked out a little bit and make sure. So, um, many, many of these, even hot flashes or temperature fluctuations can be related to other things, infections or, you know, other, like cancer can sometimes cause hot flashes, like just weird, you know, weird little uncommon things. So not to, to, you know, put the fear in all of us, but just, you know, common sense, medical, um, uh, connection with a healthcare, healthcare provider that you can check in with to see if, you know, when I, I can't go over all of that here, like really literally every symptom could possibly be from something else too. So we do want to be careful about that. And we don't chalk everything up to menopause and ignore something else that could be going on too. Um, so again, finding that balance of not over-medicalizing it, it is a normal transition and some of this is normal, um, but if it's, if it's increasing, if it's weird, if it feels severe, if there's multiple things going on, um, it's really worth just checking with your doctor and, and making sure. Yeah, to make sure it's not in fact, something, you know, something else, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And getting, you know, getting your standard screening and, you know, if you're, you know, yeah, just doing, doing your health checkups and everything. This is a phase in life where I think it's, uh, it's, it's necessary. Uh, I think it's, this is a good thing, but it's also a phase in our life where we're finally often starting to be able to focus on ourselves a little bit more. Kids are getting a little bit older, maybe depending on, you know, when you had them, if you did and, and maybe your career's a little bit more stable or anything like that. Like there can be this, like coming back to yourself, um, that can happen in this, at this age, and a health checkup, I think, is a really important and, and good part of that, too, of like checking in where, where are things at with you at this point. You might have been like buried in little little kids and all sorts of drama for, um, for a long stretch of time. And then we start to like come up for air and like, oh, me, <laughs> um, how, how do I take care of myself and keep myself going for the many decades that we still can have ahead of ourselves at this point? Um, and it's also, you know, interesting parallel to puberty also can be some of that self-inquiry of who do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> and that's, it's a, it's a beautiful time to kind of come back to yourself. Do we with call that. that a midlife, do we call that a midlife crisis? <laughs> I don't think of it as a crisis personally. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally kidding, but it's kind of one of those like, right. Oh, you start to question like, what do I want to do with my life? And is this the way I envisioned it going? And so, um, I, I think that just, I think it just coincides with change, right? We're, we're changing from one phase perhaps to another, like you said, maybe less parenting careers, more stable. And it's like, well, what do I want to do for fun? Or what do I want to, you know, do with yeah. the rest of my time here? So exactly. we kind of, if we start thinking about our legacy or our impact and um, that, that can be beautiful self-inquiry time for sure. Yeah. So I want to talk about how can we, what are some things we should be thinking about doing in terms of optimizing this life's transition? 
Yeah. So I alluded to earlier to the importance of stress and the ad adrenal health. And that's, that is by and large where I like to start um, with, with helping to build some um, resiliency and support. So we often at this point in our lives, we've been dealing with a lot of stress for a lot of years and that accumulates. And as much as we'd like to reduce our stress, which is absolutely something that is worth attempting, um, it's still, there's still a lot going on. We might be, you know, sandwich generation or be having aging parents too, or having other things and, um, you know, and then world stuff that just weighs on people in different ways. And just, there's a lot, you know, it's just, there's a lot. <laughs> um, so building resiliency to stressors as, as well as looking at where can we reduce the stress that's coming into our lives um, is really important because a lot of these hormone imbalances are stress induced hormone imbalances. And if we can help to stabilize that, it really helps the whole endocrine system to work better. So part of what I like to, um, start with is helping to regulate the adrenal rhythm, the adrenals, besides helping to, uh, respond to an acute stress in the moment, the adrenals also have a second role where they help to regulate our circadian rhythm or our 24 hour clock where we get up and get going in the morning and then kind of taper through the day and then wind down at nighttime. It's the cortisol curve and helping to support that can really help make a difference and how these other things um, play out for us during this time of life. So that's the starting place to me. That's really the foundation. Um, and then we build from there, like getting, you know, you get those really healthy lifestyle habits in place and routines and have your get up and go and have your winding down and nourish yourself through the day in the ways that your body needs. And then um, you can build from there if needed, right? If you if you've discovered that you have some specific imbalances, or depending on what symptoms you're having, if you need help sleeping, or if you need help, you know, calming the the um, irritable moods that happen, or if you're so brain fog that you need a little, you know, help for stimulating cognitive function, or any of that, we can go from there. So. There's a couple things we can be doing to optimize this uh, phase in our phase in our life. Um, I mean, we've sort of touched upon this, but I'm wondering if there's anything further you wanted to add about, you know, like why we need to talk about this phase of life more. And I mean, that example of like, well, we get told and instructed on puberty, but not on this. So just that alone is like, that's why we need to talk about it. Um, but is there any other reason, like, is there anything else you wanted to add to that? I think women supporting women has just a beauty to it. And that when we can, can more openly talk about what is going on in our, our lives and in our health and, and, support the, um, support each other, either, either concomitantly or at the same time, support each other through that or pass on, you know, your experience and, and wisdom from getting through something, you know, whether it's a phase of life or health condition or whatever, like something like so many health providers, we've talked about that of like, you go through something and then you can help other people with it. So I think that, that, um, power of community 
and the healing that happens on a personal and communal level when when there's more of an uplifting of the whole community, um, I think is really, really powerful. And that that uh, is part of helping to make the world a better place in that way for each of us individually, but then as a community as well. And kind of that broader concept of what healing means and and what that can look like so yeah so talking about what's going on so that we don't get blindsided by it that we don't you know get gaslit going to the doctor's office and get told oh no it's all in your head or it's just normal or whatever they're like no this is something that's really worth talking about and um, if you're having a hard time reach out and get help and there's you know you can rely on on friends family members your you know your support team um healthcare providers etc so and we definitely know that community is part of that healing perspective, right? And so often, you know, it's so much scarier when you're walking through it alone because you're like uncertain. You can't talk to anybody about it. There's, you know, you're not sure where to look for help and support. You might be gaslit, you know, as you're like trying to like, figure all this out. Whereas if you have this community of people that you can talk to and be vulnerable with, it, it creates a space and an opportunity for something to, for something to come through a group process that would not have otherwise come to fruition. It just in our own consciousness, like there's something about collective consciousness where new things are possible that like doing it on our own, we could never necessarily access it that way because we have our own, you know, defense mechanisms and we have our own perspectives and perceptions. And when we allow other perceptions and ideas to come, like you bringing that um, example of like puberty, I was like, man, that's really, that's like a really wonderful and easy way for me as a healthcare provider, just to be like, look, you know, we have puberty and there's like a phase leading up and this is the phase leading, you know, phase leading down. And, and, you know, that's the benefit of when we, us women come together to support each other through the different, you know, especially if there's difficulty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And really historically women's circles have, have been a part of every culture that I know of at least that that idea of really that communal um, impact happening. So our modern society is so individualistic and and that like, uh, you know, I'll, I'm just going to figure it out and I'm going to do it on my own. And you're like, you know, we're not talking to each other about what's going on and everything. So and our medical system is set up that way, too. You have, you know, you have your patient appointment with your doctor and you, you know, and that's that and, you know, not necessarily any other kind of help that happens. And um, I think our, you know, our medical system is really set up. It's a very patriarchal medical system where it's like, there's this all knowing doctor person that you go to and you tell them their problems and they like fix it for you or something. So this idea of like taking health into our own hands and being in community with other, other women and being empowered and educated, um, I think are all really important things and that, that, you know, on, on this topic of perimenopause or anything. Um, but this is a, a phase in life that is especially not well understood. I feel like now I 
that I have gratitude to my mother's generation. I feel like they put menopause on the map and, you know, there's, there's like menopause, the musical, and there's books out and there's like, article. more people have a sense of kind of what menopause is. Um, but not, not so much of like, what is perimenopause or when does that even happen or what's normal or not? So very grateful to have this conversation and, and uh, be spreading the, the um, awareness so that more women can, can know that, you know, there's normal changes that happen. And if it's problem, then, then get help. So. Yeah. And even if, you know, you have friends, right. Like forming your own little pod of like, you know, support. Right. Um, And I was also thinking that, um, you know, these women's circles, you know, while some may be in the same age group, oftentimes in many cultures, it was multi-generational. And so we had access from information from, you know, above and below our particular age group um, that, again, gave us wisdom and access to things that we would not necessarily in that particular level of consciousness in our life be able to access to and and it just opens up the door for new things to come right we might be both doing the same let's say technique or taking the same supplement but you notice that like when you do your meditation and you take it like maybe maybe there you know you have a particular way that you do things that makes you feel good and you know just by sharing you know your experience sparks an idea in somebody else that sparks an idea. And then all of a sudden, you know, this whole brand new innovative thing comes to being right. Ripple effect. I love it. (laughs) Absolutely. So what you're saying is life can look exciting and vital and, you know, we can feel good and have energy and you know, have sex if we want to, and, you know, all of opportunities open up and it's, it is absolutely possible. Yes. So if people wanted to learn more about you, work with you, you know, what, where do, where do they go? How do they work with you? Tell us. Yeah, thank you. So um, to connect, so we we um, invite to, you to uh, follow us on Instagram. So we're at, at Women's Vitality Center. Um, our uh, website is womensvitalitycenter.com. So you can learn more there too. And we, we publish a blog and, you know, we're, and we have several um, um, free workshops available on our website. We have a perimenopause 101 uh, that might be a, a nice uh, follow-up to this conversation. And, and we have a hormone balancing checklist just to kind of start putting some things in, into practice and into place. So um, those are great places to start. We really try to put a lot of information out that's free and, and accessible um, we also, our private practice is we, we um, have a team of naturopathic doctors and health coaches. And so for a membership-based practice, we work with women over time um, because we know that it's not just a matter of like one time and here's your fix and you're out the door. Like this is a journey you're on. And we really are dedicated to helping our patients on that journey and know them and really support them in the ways that they need over that time. Um, with with that combination of naturopathic medicine and health coaching and um, whoever else they may have on their support team also. Um, so we do have that available for women throughout all of California is, is our licensing to be able to work with patients privately. Um, we do also have um, online and, and community offerings. So for people who might be at a distance, um, we have a women's vitality club 
Um, so they can learn more about the club on our website. And we also have an eight week online program called Replenish, which is all about getting the foundations of the adrenal health in place and healthy habits in place that really support the overall hormone balance. So our eight week replenish program is, um, is a really powerful, it's one of those, like you were saying, if you've had something that's worked for you and you can teach it, like I, it was what worked for me and my, you know, first thousand or so patients that I was seeing the patterns and realizing like, what are the things that are doable in a busy woman's life that that really have an impact and really work and really built it into this eight week program to help um, to help build that foundation, really build that resiliency. So um, those are those are our offerings. So amazing. And for those of you who are like, wow, there was a lot of really cool stuff she just said. Yeah. And where do I find it? And all of those really awesome things. Don't worry. In the show notes. There will be links to the Instagram, to the website, uh, to the checklist. And of course, like everything's on our website. Uh, so you'll be able to browse, but like all of those links will be in the show notes. So just the description of the podcast, go there and you'll have the um, links there. So I want to thank you so much for taking time to uh, you know, spread the word and start, you know, again, it's like, let's have these conversations and let's have them multiple times and, you know, see what we can learn because every time we have a talk, we learn something new. So uh, thank you again. Thank you so much. And I, I look forward to living a better life and uh, continuing to do so in all the different ways. So thank you so much for having me here. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And we obviously want to thank our listeners who join us on a weekly basis. Of course, every week we have new topics, new practitioners, new perspectives on, as you say, living a better life. So if you want to stay up to date, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share this podcast out because again, we're not really getting the, you know, we get the puberty part. We're not getting this part. So if we can start to share it out with as many women as we know to at least start the conversation, this is like a huge win for us collectively. So share it out and then we'll connect with everybody on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.